and we will get started. I'm so glad you're here today. Let me just uh, have you take your Bibles and while you or your turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, let me let me just thank uh, Cliff for for bringing the message last week that God laid upon his heart to the church family. I appreciate that very much. We are looking at Paul's teachings in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We've already done two two messages on this and we started with with the, the understanding as he began this, this wonderful chapter that in the center of everything in, in, the, in the life of the body of Christ, which we call the church, is the Holy Spirit of God. The message of this chapter and the corrective nature of, of, of Paul's writing here is to remind the church that it is not man who is the center of everything. It is not man that, that ought to be exalted in the church. It's not man who controls the church or runs the church. It's not man who decides what's going to happen in the body of Christ. It is the Holy Spirit of God. And that's how we began this. And then we, then we talked la- a couple weeks ago, we talked about how he chooses to manifest himself in the body of Christ. Again, that it's not by, it's not you or it's not me, it's not uh, me being more spiritual or you being less spiritual. It is, it is the Holy Spirit. It's one Spirit, one Father, one Son. It's, again, put the emphasis upon him. Now, this morning, we're going to start at verse 12 together, and we're going to talk about his design for his church. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, what I want to say, nostalgia, if you will, happening in the, in, the, in, the, in the Christian world today. The desire to get back to what we would call the first century church. Now, a lot of that has to do more with, with the methodology that people want to get back to rather than the, the essence of what the church is. See, I'm not one who really believes that we have to go back into caves or necessarily go back only into home groups. Uh, there, the church has changed over the years in how we meet. We are blessed of God to be in a free country where we can meet like this and we can, we can join together in corporate worship. Now, true, it wasn't so, so much so in the, in the first century church, but that was more out of necessity than by design. I'm sure they would have rather met in larger groups, openly and freely to, to express their worship to God. But the, there is a good part to this nostalgia. Because over the 2,000 years of, that the church has existed, in many ways we have evolved and we have changed in ways that I don't necessarily believe are indicated in the Scripture. In a very real way, we need to get back to that first century church when we, as we understand who we have been created to be in Christ Jesus. And how we are to function as the body of Christ. And what, what is God's design for the church? Now, very quickly in church history, the church got off. They started heading in directions that they should not have gone in. I would tell you as you study the, the, the two letters to the church of Corinth, they are more corrective in nature than they are doctrinally in nature. In other words, the church had headed off into directions that were not the way that God intended. So God spoke to the Apostle Paul to bring about correction in the body of Christ. To give them correction as to how to be the church and what to, what to be involved in the church. Now, it was very clear as you read these writings that, that, that uh, the feeling of spiritual superiority had, had, had already started to grow in the first century church. 
The, the, the feeling that some people were, were necessarily more close to God than other people. The, the, the thought that, that there, are, there, are, there are certain groups of people that were more special to God than other people. I love Romans chapter 1 verse 16. You know what that says? It says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation for who? For all men. The Jew first, and then the Gentile. But the point there is that Jesus came to be the Messiah of all people. Not just one special group. Amen? Amen. By the way, all you Gentiles who are sitting in here, you ought to be glad that's true. You ought to be glad that Jesus Christ is your Messiah too. And now, as the church has been birthed, as it's been organized, as it's come together, now God is giving, giving instruction or actually correction to a church that very quickly became man-centered instead of Christ-centered. How easily that happens in our churches, amen? How easily that happens in our own individual lives, right? How easily we can be led to think like the world thinks rather than led by the Spirit of God. See, we want to take on the mind of Christ as the body of Christ. We want to think like Christ thinks. We want, to, we want to act and react the way Christ would react. We want to love the way Jesus would love. We want to care and we want to share the way Jesus cared and shared when he walked on the face of the earth. Because we are the body of Christ. And that's what Paul is going to talk about here. He's going to help us understand this. We are one body. You understand this. There are not many churches in the world. I'm talking about biblical churches. There are not many churches in the world. There is one church. By the way, that would get me in a lot of trouble with a lot of Baptists, what I just told you. Oh boy, I would be in trouble. Well, I've been there before, so it doesn't matter. That is, the thought that there's no such thing as a universal church. And I say, you know what? To teach that there's no such thing as a universal church is to close your eyes to what the Scripture says. There are some Baptists that are so so fixated upon their own local congregation that they cannot see that it expands beyond the bounds of, of their own local fellowship. There are many fellowships out there, but there's only one church. By the way, if I only believe there was one church and it was First Baptist Church of Fountain Hill, then any time anybody joined, they'd be baptized. And, you know, it just, it just gets to the ridiculous. There's only one church. It's Christ's church. There's only one body. It's Christ's body. Praise God for Christ's church all over the world. Praise God that's not just located in one specific place, but it is the universal church of God that is empowered or should be empowered by the Holy Spirit of God, touching the world with the message, the wonderful message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So Paul says there's one body, but within that body, God designed, now listen to me, it is God's design, much diversity. It's God's intention that there be much diversity. He doesn't want us all to look alike. I don't think he wants us all to always act alike. I think it's good for us to see the world from different perspectives. I think that I think it's wonderful that, that we share the our, our journeys because God has put us in certain places to let us go through those journeys so we can be more effective. But it also He has brought diversity in the church in the way that the Holy Spirit chooses to work through individuals within the body and it is by design that the body might as a whole be strong that the body as a whole might be fully equipped 
for everything that God intended his church to be. So let's read what Paul writes for us, starting with verse 12. We'll read through verse 27 together this morning. Here's what he said. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that body, uh, of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slave or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not the hand, I'm not of the body, is, therefore, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? Kind of ridiculous statements, right? Verse 17. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? And if the whole body were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if there were one member... Where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Not much, no, much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which, think, uh, which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor and our unpre- and our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. But our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it. That there should be no schisms in the body. But that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. And God has appointed these in the church. By the way, we're going to stop there at verse 27. We'll go to the next verse next week. All right. What a wonderful passage of Scripture. What is the evidence, for just a moment... Of the Holy Spirit working in the body of Christ. Sometimes we think it is only evident when we see some enormously supernatural act of God. Some enormously uh, great move of God. And maybe you have or you haven't experienced that in your life. Where, where you just sense the presence of the Holy Spirit in a great way. And maybe you even saw the evidence of that in a great way. And those are wonderful things when the Holy Spirit has it. Has made a decision to do those things. But what really is the evidence that the Holy Spirit is working in the body of Christ? I think what Paul is saying here teaches us what the church looks like when the Holy Spirit is in control rather than human beings being in control. And how the body come, how, how we as individual members come together understanding that we are unified in Christ. And that is the work of God. And by the way, that's how Paul begins this portion of our, of our passage. He begins by teaching us that true unity in the church comes by the work of the Holy Spirit of God. 
And I want to say to you, it always happens that way. Only the Holy Spirit can bring unity in a group of people that left to their own devices would be so ununified. And by the way, we see that. Paul, excuse me, James in his epistle says, you know, where do divisions come from among you? It's a great question. And basically he says, and I'm paraphrasing here, it comes when you got to have your way, and you got to have your way, and i got to have my way. It comes basically when we make it about ourselves. But I would say to you, it can also come when we try to endeavor to do this on our own. We're going to build unity. You ever heard anybody tell you that? Let's work together to build unity. Here's what I'm convinced of. True unity in the body of Christ is never by the endeavor of man, but it's by the power of the Holy Spirit of God. By the way, Jesus' last prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane was for that unity. Do you remember what he prayed? He said, Father, as you and I are one, I pray that they too would be one. You see, Jesus understood something the church needs to be reminded of. That it is the work of the Holy Spirit that brings us together. And when divisions and schisms come about in the body of Christ, they come about because one or the other or both decide it has to be about them. And they have to have their way. I've been teaching you for over eight years now. The necessity, and I've been learning myself, the necessity to be surrendered to the Holy Spirit of God. I'm going to confess to you, I'm not there yet. How about you? Anybody there yet? Because if you are, I'll sit down and let you continue. Okay? I'm not there yet. And quite honestly, it is a great struggle that I have daily. And easily I fall into the trap of saying, I'm going, to, I'm going to determine or I'm going to endeavor to be a more spiritual man today. I'm going to walk more spiritually today. I'm going to, I'm going to do everything that, that I need to do today. And with, without fail, it isn't a good half hour. Sometimes it's not a good 30 seconds. <laughs> that I fall into the flesh once again because I have set myself up to step into the flesh. And when we set ourselves up to step in the flesh, we set ourselves up to fall in the flesh. Paul warned us. He said, he said, don't too many of you think that you're strong. Because it's in the moment that you think you're real strong in the Lord and you are strong in your determination to fall, it's in that moment that you will fall. Now, Paul tells us that. He's trying to continue that teaching here when it, when it deals with the body of Christ. The body of Christ is unified by an act of God. And only God can bring such divert, a such diverse group of people together and we can say this. You are my brother. You are my sister. And I love you because you belong to Jesus. Only God can do that. And it is the work of the Holy Spirit, Paul tells us, look there in verse 12, says, For as one body, for as the body is one and has many members, but, but all members of that body, one, being many, are one, so is Christ. Verse 13, he reminds us, For by what? By one Spirit, we were all baptized into one body. And by the way, there's no water in that verse. 
He's not talking about water baptism there. He's talking about what Jesus talked about. Or what, more correctly, what John talked about. John the Baptist. He said, you know what? I indeed baptize you with water, but there's one who's coming after me whose sandals I'm not worthy to unloose who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. The work of the Holy Spirit is to identify that word baptism, uh, baptizo, identify us in Christ. So we're no longer 200 different people in that sense in the, in the church. We're actually one body. It's a miracle of God. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. He brings us together and he, he, he baptizes us or he identifies us in Christ Jesus. There is, and I'm going to move on to the next point after this, but I just want to, I have to say that there is too much of the work of man in the organized church today. From our seminars to our reading material to our organization to everything we do. It's interesting to me that if we're not careful, we get to the place where we care more about what man thinks about us than what our Lord thinks about us. And we will even, if we're not careful, compromise the truth, being pressured by their human beings to do so. Instead of listening to the voice, the one voice that we need to listen to. Who birthed the church? You can answer, it's okay. Who birthed the church? The Holy Spirit birthed the church. Who is the one who empowers the body of Christ in the world today? The Holy Spirit does that. Who knows best what the church should be about and what the church should be like? Then why do we go searching everywhere else? Why do we listen to so many different voices? Why are we exalting personalities and peoples and ministries? None of those things are bad in and of themselves, except if we put them in the place of the voice we have to hear and the leadership we have to follow and the design that they have created for what the church needs to be like. Either the Holy Spirit has gone to sleep and we don't need to listen to Him anymore, or he's alive and well, and we need to open our ears once again. Because it's only by his power that the church as a whole can be what the church needs to be. And it's only by his power that this local fellowship, which is a part of the church as a whole, can be the church that we need to be. And by the way, Fountain Hills needs First Baptist Fountain Hills to be empowered and led and directed by the Holy Spirit of God. They don't need a bunch of Christians trying to be the best Christians they can be and doing the best we can for this community. They don't need us to put our heads together and find out what we need to do for this community. They need us, in a very real way, to put our hearts together and seek the face of God and hear the voice of God and follow the directive of God empowered by the Spirit of God. That's what they need. That's the church. That's the church that was described as a body that turned the world upside down. When they were outnumbered, when they were hated, when they were persecuted, when they were martyred, 
it's said of them, they turn the world upside down. Where is that church today? It's time for us to get out of the way. It's time for us to be responsive to the Holy Spirit of God once again. I want to return to the first century church that I read about here. I want to return to the church that hears the voice of the Holy Spirit and follows Him wherever He leads us. And trust Him. When our eyes cannot see it, we know it's going to happen because He said it's going to happen. When we can't do it, we know it's going to get done because He said He will do it. We're too accustomed to making decisions based upon who we are, what we can do, and the resources we have. It's time to step beyond those things, church, and tap into who He is, what He says He can do, and the, and the, and the resources that He has. Amen? Amen? It's time. It's time. And Paul is trying to say that to the church of Christ. You're heading off in the wrong direction. You're turning into a a man-centered, a me-centered fellowship. And stop it. Come back and hear the voice of God. Receive the, 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 the message of the Holy Spirit of God. For He has a great plan. For He is the one who birthed this body, the church. And He is the one who empowers This body, the church. And he is the one who knows where this body needs to go and what this body needs to do. We once again need to... You know what? We talk about revival all the time. And I don't believe revival will happen. Or at least I don't believe revival can happen until the church, who's supposed to know God, who's supposed to be redeemed, who's supposed to have the Holy Spirit uh, indwelling them, until we become desperate in desiring the Holy Spirit to manifest Himself among us once again. Now we've already learned, I hope we've already learned, it's not to seek after gifts, not to seek after supernatural things, but to seek after the reality of the manifestation of the Holy Spirit in our presence. Now however, He wants to show that, that's His business. But church, it's been too long since that's happened, amen? Amen. It's been too long. And we do live in a dry and a thirsty time. There are some theologians that say that's never going to happen again. I found myself believing that. And then I found myself being driven back to the Word. And I don't believe the Holy Spirit is asleep. I don't believe He's taking a vacation. I don't believe he just sort of wound this whole thing up, got it started, and took his hands off and is standing back. I believe... He desires for His church to recognize who He is. To be open to Him working through us. The Holy Spirit is at work bringing unity in the body of Christ. That's what He does. Only He can bring such unity among such a diverse group. We are one body by the work of the Holy Spirit. Paul goes on to show us here, verses 14 through 20 is that the diversity within this body that is to be unified by the Holy Spirit is by design. Isn't that interesting? It is by design. It is our thought in the Western church that everybody needs to look, act like we do. And if they don't, our first feeling is we're offended. We are. We don't like to say that. 
But you understand that we're not the only Christians in the world, church. Do you understand that? Do you also understand that the Western way of doing church is not necessarily, and not always, the biblical way of doing church? And we become, again, very self-centered because what we want to do, we want to run out into the world. And you know, I, I love some changes that I'm seeing even in, in approaches of some of our missionary movements. If we've had missionaries in a country for over 100 years, and we have never trained, quote, indigenous personnel, and prepared them to take on the ministry to reach their people, then we've done something desperately wrong. We are not the great white hope saving the world. Our Savior is not quite as lily white as you think he is. We're not the salvation of the world. Jesus is the salvation of the world. And they don't need a westernized Jesus with blue eyes and blonde hair to, to, to give them the idea that, that he's there to save them. They need Jesus. You say, Pastor, does it matter what color hair he does? You know what? It doesn't matter to me. But somehow it seems to matter to the Western church. It doesn't matter to me. If it were possible for him to be purple, would that be okay with you? The point is not the color of his skin or the color of his eyes or the color of his hair. The point is, he is the Son of God who took on flesh and came among us and took upon, our sin, upon himself our sin, died for our sin, and he offers the world red, yellow, black and white, and every shade in between. He offers the world salvation. And we've got to get that. By design, he intended diversity. Matter of fact, as I read the scripture, he was not too happy when the world decided at one time that they all had to be the same. Anybody have any idea what I might be referring to? Remember after the flood? Remember after the flood? And they all came together on a plain called Shinar. And they all had a common language. And they decided that they would build a tower. And, and, and the, the verbiage here is very interesting. A tower to the heavens that they would reach to heavens. Now, depending on how you read that Hebrew there, some people are like, well, you can never build... We, we know you can't build a tower to heaven. I'm not quite sure that I believe it was a tower where they were intended to get all the way to heaven. As much as it was a tower <laughs> that, that, that praised the endeavor of men to become godlike. And then God, who was not pleased with that, said... We will go down and we will confuse their languages. We'll split them up. This cannot happen. God did that. God knew what the world would be like. Jesus came to die for all the world, no matter what their languages are, no matter what their heritage is, or what their background is. He came for all the world and he intends his church to carry on his mission Touching all the world with the truth. But we've got to be careful that we're not so westernized that we think that the essence of our Christian faith is found in our western culture. Because it's not. So, 
Here Paul reminds us that the diversity that he intended the body to be was by the intention of God and by the work of God. Verse 14 through 17, he, said, he reminds us of this. He said, each part is distinct and each part has a particular function by design. The eye can't say, I want to be the ear, and the ear can't say, I want to be the hand, and the foot cannot say, I want to be the leg. Each one has a particular function by design. Now, where do we find the fullness of our walk? You could say it this way. We find the fullness of our walk by by being submitted and controlled by the Holy Spirit. How will that show itself? It will show itself that by God's design, you will function within the body in the way that God has designed for you to function within the body. And that being so, there would not be room, or cannot, should not be room, for, for jealousies, envy, desire to be like some other part of the body, or pouting. I know that's probably not in there, but pouting. As a pastor for 30 plus years now, I've dealt a lot with pouting. We had my granddaughter this this week. Did I tell you I'm a grandfather? By the way, we got another one coming in February. Another little girl. Praise God. I'll be undone. I know. Last night, we watched Winnie the Pooh. Winnie the Pooh. There's a character in Winnie the Pooh that reminds me of a lot of Christians today. Who am I thinking of? Well, look at you all watch it too much too. Eeyore. That poor guy, he's looking for a tail. You know, it's a pretty dramatic story. You don't have a tail. They're looking for a tail and they offer him all these different kinds of tails. And he said, you know, even when he gets a beautiful tail, he goes, it don't matter. It's not going to last anyway. He spends all his life pouting. And there are Christians that spend all their life pouting because they're not this or they're not that. There's no room for envy in the body of Christ that's unified in diversity. There's no room for jealousy. And there's no room for pouting. I remember a movie I watched one time. We're talking about baseball. It's girls baseball. And she start, the girl starts crying. And the coach says, there's no crying in baseball. <laughs> and really there ought to be no pouting in the church. Because, listen, because you and I will find... The fullness of who God has intended for us to be as we submit to the Holy Spirit, as He leads us wherever He wants to lead us, as He works and manifests Himself through us and makes, makes us the part of the body that He has designed for us to be. By intention He does this. Each part distinct. Each part having a particular function. And then Paul goes on in verses 18 to 20 to teach, to teach us this. Each part placed by God to make up the whole. If we're all hands, guess what's not going to get done? Because a hand by itself can't do anything. You understand that? If it's not attached to the arm, which is attached to the shoulder, we can get into the old spiritual now, right? If it's not all pulled together, then, then it cannot do anything. God intended for the diversity of the body, demonstrated by the bodies you and I live in, the body of Christ, 
to be many parts, many members functioning as one body. Here's what's true. Wherever I go, this right hand goes with me. It can't just say, you know what, I'm out of it today. You just leave me here. We'd have some real problems there. And yet, that's how the church functions. We all want to be this or we all want to be that. And if someone doesn't sort of fit within what we are, then we leave them by the wayside, not realizing that who God has made them by the power of the Holy Spirit is so needful in the church. And we wonder why the church is so ineffective. The big answer for that would be because we're not listening to the Holy Spirit. But, but, but the, the more direct answer might be because we have excluded parts of the body that don't look like us, that don't act like us, and are not just like us. And so the body just looks like one part. Instead of many wonderful parts pulled together by the Holy Spirit of God, functioning effectively and powerfully as one body in the world. By the way, church, that's when the world sees Jesus in us. When we are that complete body touching the world by the power of the Holy Spirit. It is by design that we are diverse. And that design is pulled together by the Holy Spirit to create the whole. And it is the whole that is most effectively used by God to touch a world with the message of Jesus Christ. I may misquote this, but it just sort of hits me right now. When we talk about being effective as as the body of Christ, it says uh, uh, the world needs to hear us preach a sermon. And if necessary, use words. The point there is the world needs to see the reality of the power of Christ in the body of Christ. Teresa shared with me this week, she, was reading something somewhere, we were, she reminded me, we have to earn the right to share the gospel. What does that mean? They don't care what we know until they begin to see the who we know has made a difference in the way we are. Other than that, they're just empty words. They're just religious platitudes. They're just another set of uh, social truth or mores. It's, that's what they become. The power is seen in surrendered lives. And it is those surrender life that open up the, 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 the opportunity for us to share why our lives are different. Why we love the way we do. Why we care the way we do. Why we are welcoming to all people who belong to God. The Holy Spirit brings unity, Paul tells us. The Holy Spirit by his power and by diversity is building one body of believers not many but one but by design we are intentionally diverse now as Paul finishes off the the section we're looking at today here's the interesting thing 
He wants us to understand that this diversity is given that there should be true unity. That, that doesn't sound like we're talking two different ways at one time. Diversity is given that there should be true unity. Now, can I say this? When I use the word given, the intention of just given is not just, not just that it's given, but hopefully the understanding is that it's been received also. Now hear me, church. It's been given, but it does no good until it's received. Kind of like salvation. Salvation is the free gift of God. Amen? But it has no effect on your life until you receive it. It's the same way with what the Holy Spirit is doing at work in the church. He's alive. He's working. He's giving and giving and giving. And I think he's waiting for the church to receive what he has for us. And this diversity is given so there might be true unity. Why? And how does that work? It is God's plan that we be interdependent rather than independent. The movement today to get away from the church. I don't need the church. I can be a church myself. I see things on Facebook all the time, people saying stuff like that. I read things like, well, I can be just as close to God on, on the lake as I am in, in, in the local church. Well, that, that sounds cute. It sounds curt. It's, and you can. You can. I love getting out there. Anybody else like to get out in the woods and stuff? And I love being out there. And I can be close to God. But if that becomes who I am, then I miss something. Let me tell you something. The Bible tells me this. Jesus died for my sin. No doubt about it. Jesus died for your sin. No doubt about it. But the Bible teaches me that Christ loved the church and he gave himself for her. And the Holy Spirit intended for us to be interdependent, not independent. Interdependent. Now, if we all were all the parts of the body at one time, then we could do it on our own. Everybody got that? If I was everything, by the way, there are those who think they're everything. They convince themselves they're everything. They convince their followers that they're everything. And, and if they just come to them, they'll get everything from the one who is everything. But the truth is, if, I, if the scripture's correct, and I kind of believe it is, we are not everything. And God never intended for any one of us to be everything. He intended for us to be what the Holy Spirit has chosen to manifest Himself through us to be. And He intended who He made me, Kevin, to be who He's made you. And He intended for us to be, here's what Paul uses these words, He intended for us to be knitted and joined together. See, good knitting, and not that I know it from, from any experience, but good knitting, I guess, happens when you can't tell where they began and where they ended. It's just so interwoven. And that's what he intends for us to be. And he intends for us to be interdependent upon one another. I, I believe Paul believed this with his whole heart. How many times do you have Paul saying, pray for me? How many times do you have Paul saying, remember the saints who are going through difficult times? Why do you do that? Because God has made the church to be interdependent. We need one another. 
But they don't think like me. They don't believe everything exactly like I do. They don't see the world the way that I do. Good. Expand your horizons. Ever thought anything about God? How creative He is? You ever thought about how the church, in many ways, tried to limit that creative, creative work of God? Because it doesn't, afford, it doesn't fit into our paradigm of what we think God ought to be. It's been said before, I've said it before, it's time for the church to let God out of the box. Let Him show Himself the way He wants to show Himself. You say, well, I'm worried something could happen. Well, you don't have to be worried. Stay in the Word, being taught by the Holy Spirit, and, and you'll know. I understand there's people out there that lead people in all different ways. But you just stay grounded in the Word, be led by the Holy Spirit, and you'll be okay. God has a plan for us who are many members, many parts, to be knitted together, to be tied together, to be interdependent upon one another. So I need you. I'm not an island, and you're not an island either. You need that person sitting next to you and across the aisle from you. You need, in this community, I would say, we need, in a bigger sense, we need other Christian churches in this community. There are other Christian churches in the community that are doing things that we're not doing. It's not a competition. If God has led them in a direction that, that He's not led us in, but we're doing two different things, that's okay. We're not here to mimic one another. We're hoping that our Christian church, the Christian churches in Fountain Hills, all of us are listening to the Holy Spirit of God and being the church that He's called us to be. And you may not know this, but to the other Christian churches in Fountain Hills, we are interdependent upon them. We need them. And they need us. Why? Because basically, Fountain Hills needs Jesus. And as long as the Bible-believing churches are at each other's throat, they're not going to hear about Jesus. This is God's plan to create interdependence. The second thing I want you to see here, verses 22 through 24, is that this is God's plan to create equality of standing. I've got to read verses 22 through 24. It says, No, much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary, and those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor, and, and, and our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. But our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to the part which lacks it. Now you understand what he's saying here. And this is so important. God, by God's design... To bring true unity, it's God's plan also to create an equality of standing. Now, what do I mean by that? That sounds almost communistic, Pastor. An equality of standing. No, but there is an equality of standing in the body of Christ. There are diversity of calls, there are diversities of gifts, but there's only one body. And in the body of Christ, and I'm not talking about leadership now or lack of leadership. I'm talking about standing before God. There is not a hierarchy in the New Testament church. We do not believe in the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. We do not buy into that. 
only time I really even care to be called clergy is when it gets me a better parking place at the hospital than it gets you. I might have a call in the body of Christ upon my life to be a pastor and to be the teacher of this congregation. But that doesn't put me higher up on the rung of spirituality than anybody else in this body of Christ. I just love the thought that the ground at the foot of the cross is marvelously flat. And it doesn't matter what part you are in the body, God does not exalt special people in the body more high than he does other people. Well, Pastor, I don't know if I believe it. You know Billy Graham? You, know, you start listening off to all these names. Praise God for those faithful servants wherever they have been through the ages. But they're not closer to God than you are. They're not more special to God than you are. They may be used of God in a different way than you're used of God. But God intends for you to come alongside those who've been faithfully hearing and following and being led by the Holy Spirit and be the part of the body that God created you to be. So as one body, we walk into the world presenting one Lord, one Savior. We are equal before God. You understand that? When you get to heaven, you know, let me just say this. Even Jesus' own disciples had trouble with this thought, didn't they? Lord, when you get into heaven, when you get in your kingdom, can I sit on your right hand and my brother over here sit on your left hand? Wait a minute, Lord, that's not good enough. Let's get Mama in here. Let's have Mama ask you to do that. Because you don't listen to Mama. So the mama of the brother Zebedee comes and Lord, when you get into your kingdom, would you put one of my sons on your right hand and one of my sons on your left hand? Isn't it incredible how we build this sense of importance, self-importance, and we even want to carry it into heaven. We even want to carry it into heaven. Well, I hope my bungalow or my mansion is a little bit closer to the throne than your mansion is. Or it should be, because I've actually done more for the kingdom than you've done. It's an incredible thing that we do. You know what the Holy Spirit does when He brings this this unity and diversity? He removes that. And you can tell that the Holy Spirit is at work when, when it's not about position, when it's not about power, when it's not about prominence, but it's about the message of Jesus Christ. You can tell that's a church where the Holy Spirit's at work. Where personality is not exalted. And methodology is not exalted. But the name of Christ is exalted above all things. That's where the Holy Spirit is at work. And church, I want to tell you, that's the evidence that the Holy Spirit is moving in a body. It's not just miraculous manifestations. It is this kind of thing, which no man can create, no man can bring about, because we're too self-centered to bring this about. Only the Holy Spirit can do this. I'm bringing you to the last point. Look at verse 25 to 27. Here's what it says. This is God's plan. This whole thing is God's plan. And his plan is to have true unity. Again, Jesus' final prayer was for this very thing. This is God's plan for true unity. Rather than the causing, causes, causing schisms. Now I believe Paul wrote this whole thing inspired by the Holy Spirit. Because schisms is what was happening in Corinth. Matter of fact, you read the rest of the book, you'll see it. I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Cephas, I'm of Jesus. You can't trump that one, can you? 
Isn't it interesting that we might even use Jesus to try to trump somebody else? Well, you might be of so-and-so, but I'm of Jesus. I'm a true Jesus follower. I hear this all the time, too. You guys are this, you guys are that, but I'm a true Jesus follower. Really? And I want to say, because there's something within me that just has to say it. (laughs) Then why don't I see the heart of Jesus in how how you're speaking to me? We're not a follower of Jesus just because we say so. We're a follower of Jesus because it's seen in the way we live and the way we love and the way we care and the way we touch lives. God's plan was for unity, not for schisms. So in my personal life, Jesus must be Lord. In this local fellowship, Jesus must be Lord. In the church as a whole, Jesus must be Lord. And you know what would fix a whole lot of things? Not another program. Not another seminar. Not another movement. What would fix a lot of things is under the direction of the Holy Spirit, the church would come back. Not just in word, but in reality, that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's what he intends. One body. One body that's quite diverse by design. In order that that one body that's diverse by design might be unified and demonstrating the person and the power and even the presence of Jesus Christ who's the Lord of all. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? As you approach who you are in Christ Jesus this morning, what's it all about from your perspective? You have an idea somehow that Christ exists to make you look better or make you function in some miraculous way so people can be impressed by your spirituality? Do you feel somehow that you're better than some other people? More spiritual? More special to God? Have you turned this all into all about yourself? If so, wouldn't today be a good day to ask the Holy Spirit, show me what truth is once again. Show me what it's all about once again. Help me to stop just looking at self and the things that I desire and, 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 and the, the idea that, that it's all about me and help me to see that Jesus is Lord once again. And Holy Spirit, help me to trust you to be who you need to be in my individual life in the church that I worship at and in the church as a whole so that the world might know that Jesus lives. Church, that's the essence. So the world might know that Jesus lives. Father, I thank you for this day, for our gathering together, and I pray, Lord, that our hearts have been open and our ears have been open, not so much to what what I've said, But more importantly, what your Spirit wants to say to us this morning. Give us clarity of hearing. Give us great spiritual understanding. 
and give us a willingness to submit ourselves to you to turn it over to you that we might be the church the wonderful body of Christ so diverse yet one in purpose one in love one in message one body walking in this world empowered by your Holy Spirit so that the world might know that Jesus Christ is Lord Father I pray you do that in this church and Lord I pray that you would not remove from us or or allow us to move beyond a, a desire for that to happen in our individual lives Lord keep that before us all times I pray this in Jesus name before we leave here this morning I want to give you an opportunity to respond to maybe what God said to your life this morning. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, and uh, somehow this morning the Holy Spirit has touched your heart, and you want to know the forgiveness of your sin, you want to know that Jesus Christ is your Lord, and you want to respond to that call, because that's what the Holy Spirit could be doing in your heart right now, I want to give you that opportunity this morning. I'd be right here in front, be a couple other gentlemen here. We're only here to meet you and to pray with you. We're not here to put you on the spot, but we want to be available to you as God speaks to you. Secondly, most people that are in here today profess Jesus Christ their Savior. I know that. The next question is, are we going to be a people that live life submitted to the Holy Spirit? Are we going to walk out of here and just be like we've always been? It's a decision we have to make today. And certainly you can make it right there where you're at, and that would be fine if that's what you're led to do. Or if you'd like someone to pray with you, if you'd like someone to, to, to talk to, be glad to do that also. Finally, if God brought you here and he wants you to be a part of this church family, you come. We'll receive you with open arms. Stand with me. We're going to sing just one or two phrase, uh, uh, verses, depend on how the Lord leads you to respond. And I just encourage you to respond to him as he's leading you right now.
thank you for your attention this morning. Let me share a couple things with you and then I'll dismiss you. <clears throat> Remember to pray for particularly our two ladies that are continuing to go through the treatment for cancer. Well, actually three with, with Lon. He's not a lady, but Lon and, and, uh, and uh, Chris Antes and Gwen Davis. Keep them in your prayers as, as Gwen has finished up the treatments and stuff, but now their body can build up strength and stuff. So remember, remember them uh, in your prayers. Remember John Rimmers. Uh, he fell this week, broke five ribs, and punctured a lung. So he's been up in Sholo, the hospital there. Remember, remember him also, if you would. And uh, also, Russ Wallison will be having open heart surgery. We don't have a date yet, but keep him in prayer. Finally, just keep in prayer our brothers and sisters all around the world that are just going through it right now all over the world that are just suffering just pray that God would be with them give them the strength that they need and, and as the body of Christ also that we would be sensitive to the suffering people everywhere and we'll pray that God would move in people's heart that, that maybe some things can change maybe some things can change we have nowhere to go but to Jesus Amen but church that's the best place to go to Jesus let's bow our heads and we're going to be dismissed Ken would you voice our prayers we're dismissed Father, we thank you for this wonderful message. We pray, Father, that you